All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Too Many Hobbies podcast. I'm your host, Brian Althorpe. This is the season finale of season two, and I wanted to have on a special guest. So we have Eric Massey coming from Kansas. We're going to be talking about his waterfowl experience as well as Tangle Free Waterfowl. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's a, it's a big honor for me to have somebody that is from a company that I buy so much stuff from come on <laughs> and uh, and just talk about not just Tangle Free, but also, you know, what you've got going on. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I appreciate so, it. So you started, you live in Kansas. How did hunting in Kansas kind of evolve into where you're at today? So, you know, Kansas is probably a... Um, um, it probably used to be a destination spot. Um, you know, maybe it is still for, for some, but we started with, you know, huge reservoirs um, out in Western Kansas with Cheyenne Bottoms. We have um, Swan, which is, you know, just up North. It's actually in Missouri, but it's, it's, it's just North Kansas city and it's Squaw Creek where all the, the snow geese and, and everything comes. So it's been a, you know, target rich environment, you know, obviously since I was, uh, since I was a kid and, but when I was a kid, mostly everything around here was, was duck clubs, right? Like okay. duck clubs were the big thing. It was, uh, you know, you lease, you, uh, you know, have a small house or a trailer and the guys go and you play poker at night and that type of thing. And, um, I didn't have that, that background or anything, but what I had was, you know, a want to get into those places and hunt those places and things like that. So kind of what I was able to do was, was work for them do either, you know, some type of guiding or, or just brushing blinds and, you know, that type of thing. And, and I would, I would get access when maybe members and people weren't there and that type of thing. And it was great, but duck clubs are, are renowned for ups and downs, right? I mean, right. yep. when they're good, they're good. And and when they're not, you know, you're still out there with your buddies and that type of thing. And when I was younger, just being out there with just my buddies and maybe cooking breakfast in the blind, um, wasn't just, it wasn't enough for me. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I really, I, I wanted to see him, uh, at 10 or 15 feet and I did want to kill oh, yeah. him. I was pretty, you know, aggressive when I was younger and I, watched a couple videos and one of them was Tim Grounds, right? Tim okay. Grounds to yeah, me yeah. was like, he was the guy. And all I wanted to go to Southern Illinois. I was like, I got to go to Southern Illinois. I want to kill geese, big geese. So when I was growing up, our, our goose population, we could only kill two a day and they were tagged. You had to put them around, you know, you had to put oh, them around the legs. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. So we would figure out a way because I'm I'm in southeast Kansas, so I'm close enough to Missouri. We would go to Missouri, kill our two in Missouri, come over to Kansas, kill two. I mean, if you killed four, it's like, holy, you, know, you, were, you were the man. So I wanted to go to southern Illinois, and I went down to southern Illinois, and I actually was not that impressed. What it was was every 200 yards, you know, there's a blind, you get in the blind, you shoot out, you come out of the blind, they take you back up, you know, that kind of thing. You pay a guy okay, and his, his geese. Yep. And then I started, you know, internet started coming out and right out of high school, I started, you know, finally getting some, some, 
you know, some videos and things like that. And then I was a big VHS guy. So I was a Duck Commander VHS guy. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, and when I saw what those guys were doing, I was like that, you know, I, I got to figure out a way to do that. These right. guys are hauling trailers and they're, you know, doing all this stuff. And, you know, at that time, I'm not sure that I had ever hunted like an X field, right? I don't even know that I knew probably late 90s what, uh, you know, what maybe an X field was was called, right? Yeah. I mean, big feeds and roosts and things like that. And all these terms, I was just like, holy shit, like this is. <laughs> Start opening your eyes up, yeah. Yeah. Um, then the calling kind of obsession starts, right? I mean, then you want to get better and better on, on, on goose call and duck call. And of course, first call was a Tim Grounds call, you know, um, and it was a, a, a flute actually at first. And then he came out with a short read goose call, right? Okay. And I won't get into a debate on who started, you know, uh, short read goose calls that you, of course you have Jeff Foyles and of course you have, you know, those guys, but my first yeah. one was a, was a grounds call. And I mean, I made a sound out of it and it was just a squelching <laughs> noise and just, you know, I was like, whoa, everybody's made that noise. Yeah. Oh, my but they were, <laughs> they were aggressive. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I like that you could like scream at them and, and that type of thing. So the obsession kind of started there, you know, and then it kind of went to wanting to get into, you know, uh, uh, wanting to get to know people who did it and wanting okay. to get people that were like me. Right. Because I had yeah. a lot of weekend guys or whatever. And I was like, how do I hook up with a guy? You know, I, I, I want to hook up with a guy who's, you know, doing this stuff and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So then it was, um, you know looking at what was used to be called the pro staff right i mean we now know that's that's just promotional staff and everything else yep. but that was a huge word right back in 2000 and yeah avery was pretty much about it you wanted to you know everybody wanted to be on avery and they had their own forum <laughs> remember the yeah. internet forums you know and you can get on there <laughs> and, um that's where some of the original keyboard warriors started oh yeah and then so as soon as that started then it kind of turned me off too because i was like all right, I, I want to meet some of these people that are like me that want to do this. I don't want to be yelled down to. I want to. I don't want to be yelled at. You know that type of thing. You want to um, find people that you're on the same plane as that you think the same as as well. Yeah. Instead of being absolutely. degraded. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, so I was lucky enough to um, have a guy who was doing filmography at, at the time with a giant camera or whatever for. Yeah. Um, for Buck Gardner. And he was hired out of college to go film, you know, with with Buck Gardner. And I was like, oh, man, these VH, you know, you're going to be on one of those VHS types. You're going to be yeah. famous. And um, so I got to know him. And then I got to kind of know that that side of it. And, you know, some of the TV show stuff of, of Buck Gardner. And then I was able to hunt on some of those because back then, a lot of those guys, for most of them, that wasn't their primary job yet. Right. Right. Um, th they were doing that to supplement income or do it on the side or whatever. And so what they would do is they would have these networks in different States. They would travel to Missouri at the time and hunt with somebody in Illinois and that kind of thing or whatever. And so I kind of wanted to be the, the Kansas guy. I yeah. wanted anybody who was going to come to Kansas and film. I was like, you know, 
so I started reaching out, you know, to different people or whatever. And I was like, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I will line up two days of hunting, whatever it is you, you, you need and that kind of thing. And so I was lucky enough to get on, do that a little bit with, with Buck Gardner. Um, and then it got into some of the decoy companies, right? Looking at, um, some of the stuff and, you know, we're waterfowlers. So we tinker, we build, we design, we, you know, we do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that stuff was cool too, but Avery owned it. Right. I mean, Avery was that, that was it. They had everything, every category, right. They had, you know, A to Z or whatever. And, um, it it just, it it was what it was, right. Um, the Avery ant farm and, and that type of thing. So I had gotten into that. And one of the ways in back then was calling contests. That was, that was a big thing. That's where you got to really meet some of the people that thought like you, like you said, that were, you know, same kind of thing. They were really big at the time. You had qualifiers and state, and of course you had worlds and, you know, that type of thing. Um, So got into that, started meeting a lot of people. I met a guy named Freddie King. I don't know if you've seen some of his stuff. I know exactly who that is. Yep. So Freddie was traveling and filming calling contests, right? And that's what he was doing. Um, and this was before a lot of the, he was always a dog guy, but you know, yeah. And now um, he's a real big dog guy. Now he's a real (laughs) big dog, real big dog guy. And so, uh, so it, it was, it was cool back then, man. You could, you could, there were different avenues in and you could meet people if you were willing to be open and, and just, you know, communicate the internet started opening up all kinds of doors at the time because you could email people in the in the background and you could tell them your story and you could tell them what you're looking for and i would say the biggest thing is just like in you know your regular job or anything else if you could show a little bit of value right you, you could you know you know you could get people's attention yeah and one of the biggest ways was people like you uh consumers you know, end users of the stuff. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, this, this is starting to make sense a little bit. Well, Avery started getting away from it because I think they got so big. They didn't really want to listen to a lot of their end users, right? They wanted to make sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, they kind of wanted to be the, the, they were, they were, they were the gorilla, you know, at the time. So I'm at Rogers Sporting Goods. I'm seeing all my buddies and, you know, doing calling contests and things like that. And um, at the time, uh, Buck Gardner was there. Him and his son were there. And they were going to do a signature decoy. That was a big thing back then, right? You get a – Oh, yeah. You put somebody's name on a decoy and and this. And they were doing it for a company called Tango Free. And the only thing – I knew about Tango Free, but it was just line. At all of my sporting goods stores, it was just Tangle Free was just the big spool of line, and that that was really it. Yeah. Um, and the ain't you know, and the and the original bullet like anchor system, you know. Yep. Yep. That was it. Had no idea that that they made decoys, and um, so the guy um, Corey Foskett from Tangle Free was at Rogers Sporting Goods, and we're you know he's talking to Buck Gardner and this and that. And we start talking about just some things that they're doing. And he's the most humble, open guy. He opens his doors on, I mean, he just 
opened the light to all kinds of different stuff that I didn't know about, about, you know, manufacturing and where it, where stuff is. So at the time they were actually private labeling with the decoy company was actually called bond and bond okay. was actually making decoys, you know, for, for tango free and okay. tango free had not really entered into making their own yet or whatever. At the bottom of the decoy still said bond. You could find them at like West lakes and ACE hardwares and r- small stores all over California where, where tango free started. And, yeah. um, he started asking me, you know, if you could, you know, if you could design two or three brand new products, you know, what would they be? And I was like, you know, a, a goose decoy, a full body goose decoy, um, a, uh, a, a duck decoy, you know, yeah. a, a different position, a, you know, a different this. And we started talking and he left Roger Sporting Goods and it probably wasn't a week later. And he he called me and he was like, are you willing to have a, you know, a conversation with, you know, a guy overseas that, that makes some of this stuff or whatever. And I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, yeah. I mean, the, the, I'm like, this is so cool, you know? And again, it just, it opened a bunch of doors into to reality, really what it was. Cause I had right. a skewed sense of, of reality at the time. I thought, I thought Tim Grounds was a gazillionaire. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I thought, you know, uh, Fred Zink was, was, you know, walked on the clouds. I mean, yep. it was just like, what in the world, you know? And at the time there was a guy named Sean Stahl who had been true OG had been doing it forever, started in the guiding business. And I was just like, you know, those, those were like the, the pedestals, right? All of a sudden I start meeting or, or through Corey, some of these guys. And I'm like, well, wait a second. So these guys have real jobs. <laughs> and they're, 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 they're supplementing income through this, or they're doing this on, on this time or whatever. And I'm like, ah, I'm like, I, I, you know, I, I think I get this, you know, I got yeah. it. And, and so, uh, so Corey and I just absolutely hit it off. And then from then on, it was just, you know, like brothers. I mean, we spend so much time together now. And, um, so that's, that's really where I got to as far as, as, into tangle free once i was in to tangle free and once you know Corey and i started you know just getting into what we wanted to do and 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 where products and things like that in users we had to get to end users not to names not to uh not to big names because we went down that alley and and it really was not the right one for us we wanted to get to a guy who you know maybe nobody even knew about but a guy who guided, you know, 52 or 55 days out of the year, right. a guy who picked up and then went to snow goose guiding in Arkansas. We were like, we want to talk to that guy. Yeah. And what is it that he wants? Right? right. What, what, what can help that guy, you know, harvest more birds. That was right. That was really it. And it's easy to get out of that. I mean, it's, it's really easy to get a brand, build a brand, and put out a rubber shoe and then put your logo on it and, you know, and, and try to sell it. Right. But if it doesn't, there's so much other stuff that goes into it. There's, there's margins and there's, there's all kinds of different things that I, at the time was just like, I didn't think about it. 
I was under the Avery model. I wanted to make every single product and put the Tangle Free logo on it. I was like, right. I didn't care. I wanted to put everything. Corey's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Corey's like, easy, let's, you know. And then he started opening the door a little bit up to some of the finances. And I got to see, you know, some of that. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. It doesn't Waterfall make sense. Waterfall companies are not as big as everybody thinks they are. They're Even, I not. mean, because we're so, we're so deep into this stuff. I mean, we, we, that's all we think about. That's we live, breathe, sleep waterfall yeah so when you see a company and you're like but you're buying those products from you're spending that much money with them all the time you are just assuming that everybody else in the country is, is but really about exactly right. like you know one percent of half a percent of the population is spending money on this stuff is spending money on that stuff and so you know naturally as waterfowlers we 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 tinker and we design stuff that helps us specifically Yes. Right? And it helps us in, in in our certain environment or whatever. How do you take that and then mass produce it to where, you know, it's going to help a lot of people, right? Right. Gun cases, gun slings, things like that. They're easy to go through your mind and think, man, you know, if you just did this or that or what, you know, well, but that's for you. you right. You walk into a marsh, right? You have walk-in hunters, you have boat hunters, you have that type of thing. Those are different. Those are really different environments, different end user environments. Right. Um, you had guys that, that, you know, would spend all their time in goose fields and layout lines. Guess what? They don't want a gunsling that's going to hang up on a pin or, yeah. or, or, or something <laughs> else. I mean, you yeah. know, a gunsling is one of those, you know, yes or no things, right? If you're yeah. in the timber and you want it, you know, hanging on there and that kind of thing. So that's, that's that's where we're at now and that's that's like the fun that's kind of the fun part is trying to navigate through that stuff um the panel blind was obviously uh that that was just such a cool project that was that was unbelievable it was um it it was a napkin design as much as you could ever come up with a napkin design <laughs> um but i don't think he actually did on a napkin i think you know stall had it written down um, you know, for a long time. And the premise is not like some new design. What it was, was it was things right. that we were doing growing up our whole lives with cattle like cow panels. Yeah. 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 Yep, you know, there you go. it was, um, you know, I, I mean, first years and, and early guiding, that's what it was, right. You would do four cattle pans and you would, um, yep. you know, you would grass them and you would do evergreens and you would do things like that. So he had always had this in his mind. Like, how could I, how could I mass produce one or I, how I could do it? He actually drew it the first time and he actually was going to do it while he was still with Avery. Thank Ooh. God he, thank God he didn't. <laughs> I mean, they still did, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little, a little late on that. Oh yeah. That's a, but he, uh, that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so what was, what was cool at the time was he had it in his mind. He had, you know, the drawings, he knew what he wanted it to look like and do. And what was cool was I had, was able to share with Sean who Sean is, you know, he's just, he's been around, he has heard and seen everything. And yeah. so when you get like that, I don't want to say you get tainted, but you, you, you hold stuff close to the vest, right? You're not right. as open yep. and and that type of thing. 
So it took some convincing, but I'm like, you know, what I have gone through and shared and done with Corey, I think you could could do the same thing. Right. Like, I think if you wanted to, you could pitch this to Corey and you could, you know, I, I mean, he may fly you overseas. I mean, he will right. let you. He has the trust when 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 Corey has the trust in you, he just allows you to do that stuff. So it wouldn't be a you hand the idea off to Corey and Corey's going to take credit for it and Corey design, you know, anything like that. It was going to yeah. be. So it, it it took some, but um, he, you know, he did that and Corey led him to everything. So he was on so many conference calls with guys who don't speak very good English <laughs> and are on the wrong time zone. Yeah. You know? So he stayed up late, got up early, that type of thing. But he really got into it too. Cause it was, it, it was someone, it, it's like giving the keys to the car. It's like, yeah. holy cow. I mean, they give you right. all the resources or whatever. So um, I don't even know years wise though. I mean, we hunted the first time we hunted out of them was in Saskatchewan, probably uh, seven, eight, you know, years ago or whatever. And they okay. were, they were sort of prototypes and they were, <laughs> the first ones were too tall. <laughs> At least for me, they were way too tall. Yeah. Um, Corey had to have them shipped to in route. So we picked them up on the way, you know, to Saskatchewan. Oh, really? I mean, it, cause it's, <laughs> it was last minute stuff and everything. So to see those and to see where they have, you know, where they have come now is just, that that's really really cool so oh yeah you know the term innovation gets right i mean everybody loves that it's going to get yeah. thrown around and yep. there have, have been plenty of people um that have innovated or designed stuff right i mean the first layout blind uh you know now every layout blind is a copy of another layout blind well of course because you're all the I same mean, you can't design concept. a new you know you yeah. can tweak and you can do this or that um but that panel blind, that was just such a cool one because it was, you know, it was like, wow, you saw it from <laughs> napkin design to, oh, yeah, from that know, point of view, it's probably it the is, craziest road so cool. that you've ever been on. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then it, it, you make tweaks, right? He's, um, he's, he's done stabilizer bars and he's, yes. you know, d d done different things with the panel blinds. Yeah. Um, and then. So then what we did was, you know, with that, I was just, we, we, it was so cool. We wanted to do a couple other ones like that. We did the go-to bag um, yep. and the go-to bag was, was very similar. That was a, um, gosh, Corey, I, I don't know how much money he spent, but we bought all kinds of bags <laughs> and the, the bags, one of the bags that we really, really liked was a, uh, a gun range bag, like uh, okay. guys who, not not military, but guys who are real big into shooting and stuff. A, a lot of times they have small slings and and that type. Of yeah, thing. but it was only yeah. like this big. I mean, it was just like almost a shoulder thing for a for a pistol, and it had they're real tiny and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like, ooh, that that is cool. How do we, can we make it bigger? Can we do this? Can we do that? So we started buying different bags and stuff, and we tore them up. We literally ripped the fabric off started you know piecing them and gluing them together Can and that kind of thing yeah. <laughs> and then we got uh we were at shot show and we we you know pitched it to a couple different people or whatever and got people who make bags 
for a living. People who make Orvis and and Sims and fly fishing bags and that okay. type of thing. There's a reason that certain pockets are in certain places on those bags, right? If you're not a fly fisherman, you know, you get one of those things and it's like there's a little pocket on the side and you're like, what the, you know, what what the hell is that for? Well, there's a reason <laughs> it's there. It's always yeah. for something and that type of thing. And that that idea was kind of kind of cool. So we wanted to do that with, you know, with the bag. And so the 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 go-to bag came. Of course, it's not a it's it's a sling bag. People have done it. It's a round or that kind of thing, but the process in it was was cool. And when you do when you go through a process like that with a product, you not only have a ton of pride in it, right? But you are able to, you know, control a little bit of your own own destiny, right? Right. You, you, yep. you get it out to people and and they give you feedback and you get to do that stuff. So those those are the the super cool things that um, you know the the panel blind, um, the snap blind. Um, snap blind is cool. The snap blind, right? I mean, how yeah. do you get a blind without any pins and things like that? That was we we had that idea for a long time as far as um, you know how do we do it? And people had tried it. People had tried bars that came down and just hooked and Locked things in. like that. Yeah. But the plastic was like this can be a nightmare, you know. And I've guided enough. I've seen dudes large individuals and they try to get out of the blinds this way and they that's do, what i have know, to do it's like oh man it's like you're just looking at it going oh shit don't break yeah. don't break you know i think my dead zone's gonna break every time that i lift myself out you of it like this i'm the, like oh don't break yeah. i'm like that's a tangle free it'll be fine i've seen guys sit <laughs> right they sit on the they, they actually sit on the back and you're just like yeah. oh shit don't you know so <laughs> so it was like yeah uh, you know I was I was probably the biggest skeptic on the snap line because I had, you know, done that and I had done some guiding and, and seen how dudes get oh, in yeah. and out of them and the the mud and the you know all that stuff. Well, cut we, we again at Shot Show and through some of uh, Corey's connections and things like that, ice fishing huts. I mean, oh, like Otter and that those yeah. brands, yeah, yeah. Worst conditions, coldest conditions you can get in, everything else. Well, guess what all those pieces are? They're plastic. Plastic, yep. But it's a it's a blend, right? I mean, that's the big word for plastic is it's a certain type of blend and certain type of thing or whatever. And we yeah. were like, boom, that's, you know, that that's what we need. So those those pieces of plastic are, you know, are, are a certain blend that won't crack under weather. And I'm not saying we'll never break, but, you know, we yeah. have... We have a guy in Western Kansas, uh, Ben Webster from Big Kansas Outdoors. Yeah. Um, great outfit and everything else. Run snap lines, 17 or 20 of them, you know, and all that. And we're always pinging them, you know. Um, how are they holding up? How are they and, holding up? Yeah. What You know, anything break throwing in and out of the trailer? How are you putting them in? How are you, you know, using them? How's, you know, that type of thing. Um, and that just goes full circle to the, like we yeah. were saying, trying to find the people there using them every day and use that as your R&D. Yeah. 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 If you want R&D, you give a goose guide something. <laughs> and I mean, he's going to find a way to uh, to destroy it or, or or break it or, you know, that type of thing. Run it so, over. Yeah. Have, so those are. the bed of a truck. And yeah. Those are the, those are the cool things. Those are the, the, the just really cool projects and Corey allows 
um, people like myself and Sean Stahl and people like that, he he allows us, whether we're full-time or not on payrolls, he takes that trust in us and allows us to to do that. And that is what I wanted from yeah. day one when I was going to a calling contest and I met Freddie, you know, that that is what I what I wanted. Now, did I have a dream or hope that maybe I would do it and it would be a full-time job? Yeah. Yeah. But again, I didn't know at the time, you know, I, I didn't know what, what, what finances were. And I didn't know what, what these waterfowl companies made or whatever. So right. in the end, you know, I got exactly what I wanted. Um, I'm able to design some stuff and do that type of thing for Tango Free. Um, whether it's again, part-time or full-time or whatever it is, I'm allowed to do that stuff. And that's what I, you know, that's, that's ultimately what I wanted. That's all I wanted to really do. And the reason, you know, I get to interact with all those people, Ben yeah. Webster, uh, Christian Locke from Hurt Locker, yeah. Bryce Dakin from Front Runner, you know, all of these guys. And then what we ended up doing was Stoll started, you know, um, he went to R&T full time, right? So he got a full time yeah. job at R&T and in when he did that, it was like he made the texts and the calls and it was like saddle up. We're, we're you know, now we're the goose crew. We're really going to do some stuff. You know, we're <laughs> the goose we're, crew. I love it. We're really going to do some stuff. And so um, what we would do for there for a while, we would find some of these kind of up and coming guys. Um, Christian Locke down at Hurt Locker, you know, actually reached out to Sean Stahl through Instagram. It was like. We run Tangle Free stuff, man, if you guys want to come here or whatever. Well, we started showing up, but we would use our stuff. We wanted to yeah. show people, you know, what it was like. Trailer door open up. All of a sudden, these panel blinds are already grasped. You put them out. The yeah. stabilizers are there. All of the stuff. And it was just like, whoa, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So the guide outfitting thing came about you know, sort of that way where, and those are big orders, right? So when, when right. we stopped selling to big box stores, cause it used to be that that was your year, you would go to shot show. And if you got a container or two from Cabela's and you get a container at Rogers sporting goods, like those were your orders, right. you know, how many SKUs do they want? And that type of thing. When that went away, you know, that, that income goes away for Corey. And so, right. Um, guides outfitting is a, you know, is a, is a huge business because they make big orders and they usually do it repetitively. You know, they right. want to refresh their gear and that kind of thing. And, yep. um, so that was right up my alley too. Number one, I got to meet people. Number two, I got to show off our stuff, you know, and number three, we got to hunt. <laughs> yeah. So, <and> that was, <laughs> it's like that everything was that you were hoping you were going to get to do. Yeah. And like, you, you know, it's a, I think it's also, the concept of like when like in my job there's been times where i go places and uh like we used to make a lot one of my jobs we had customers that were like kellogg's and stuff like that and you're going through grocery stores and you see this stuff and you're like i was a part of that yeah or like now when i'm making glass it's like i see products like i can lift up a beer bottle see our company logo under and it's like it's it, that's cool yeah it's a little bit more personal for you when you pull when they pull out a panel blind and you go I could tell you every single part on that thing, where it comes from, how it's designed. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and and then you show up to these big outfitters and with a trailer full of stuff that you help design. It's like, 
look. Yeah. It's a, and, there's and a, a sense of, those, of satisfaction. It is. It is yeah. huge sense of satisfaction. A lot of those guys, you know, had the same ideas. A lot of those guys were like, oh man, well, we're using the, you know, this and that, but to take the idea and then mass produces and, and put it to something like that is just, you know, right. It was just really cool. So. Well, and something like the panel blind, I mean, like I, I, I have made my friends buy more of them because we end up taking them so many places that like we either need more for other people, but I bought my first set of panel blinds probably five years ago, four or five years ago, max five yeah. panel blinds. I have used them for every single thing you could possibly think of. Yeah. I use them on the shoreline when I'm diver hunting, use them in the field when we're goose hunting, field when we're duck hunting. I've set them in front of a boat and used them to like hide the yeah. boat. I mean, there's just, so, and they're, and they fold up so nicely that it takes literally minutes to deploy them get them set up if they're not already brushed in it takes a very short amount of time to brush them in and there's the biggest thing for me when you see other like a frames or g frames or whatever they want to call them is the viewing ports in front yeah. because then you don't have people's heads sticking up over the blind and right. you can grass them in perfectly you can just pull pull the, the brush to the side and you can see out of it without making a big silhouette come out of the top of it. There's yeah. a, it's one of it's one of my most versatile pieces of equipment that I have. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, even after seven, eight years or whatever, we we still learn things each year. Yeah. So this year we've had a problem with. Um, so we take the backs, right? We take the we take the backs and we label them you know, each one. So we know that it's a back and you're going to okay. take that, that grass and just go to the top of the, of the panel blind itself. Right. right? On the front, you're going to take grass that goes up. And the yep. reason is, is because you're going to put, if you put flip tops on the back, they won't they, fold yep, over, won't catch, they, yeah. you know, hit the grass. So, you know, the first year we didn't do that. So then all of a sudden, boom, we, we, we learned that. And then the next year we learn how to put two of them in a row. Right. We yep. wanted to make it to where you could walk all the way through it. Well, yep. how do you do it with the, you know, with the doors? The doors. So, yeah, yeah. You know, you fold open the doors, you put the stake, you know. So it's like each year we learn something. So this year our thing was how do we keep grass on through several trips? Right. Yep. Um, now, we do all kinds of different things with with evergreen trees and trying to make different dimension and, and things like that. Yep. But Sean had found a. Um, um, a synthetic grass that okay. that he had got. We take it up to Canada, and what we did was we put it on the tops to where they hang over just you know four to five inches or whatever it is. Okay. And it's sort of a it's a it's a really good color you know that would kind of would match everything. You wouldn't want to just use it, but we used it as just the base. A base right? layer, yeah. Yep. And then come yep. over and you know do all your grass and everything that. But what it does is no matter what, however you store those in the trailer, because that's a tough storage thing, you know, I mean, because we'll yeah. travel with 12, 15 of them. Do you, you know, do you put them this way and then they turn this way in the graph, you know, yeah. with just that little bit of synthetic, you can always at least count on that you're going to be in there. You're not going to look down and there's going to be one that just has nothing on it, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where the guy's just pie face and the, you know, the entire time. So. <laughs> Um, so I love that about that thing too, that you get to, yeah. you know, each year we like, we, we learn a little bit more. We, 
learn how to do it. The stabilizers were not um, even a part of the original layout. I remember um, when they came out, it was a few years after I got yeah. mine. And then I ended up buying a set just because we do have times where we, we set them front to back instead of just lining like a tree row or a <laughs> uh, rock line or something. And uh, generally those times are when we're not on the lake. So it is windier and uh, we've had issues with them blow over. And so I'm like, well, those came out. I'm like, I'm picking those up right away. And that solved everything. Yeah. 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 And those were, uh, it was funny. Those were originally made um, in Kentucky by Phil Holloway, a guy who's on the okay. goose crew that travels and everything with us. And he has a fab shop. He has a metal fab shop. And oh, everything. nice. So, so again, you know, we had all the poles and we had shit everywhere, right? We came up with stabilizer <laughs> across the top. Yep. And that was to try to get the exact distance. I mean, we would, people would, we would sell these things and then we would see people's, you know, how they would use it. And I mean, as soon as I saw a picture, I'd be like, oh yeah. shit, that is not going to, you know, the gap was, yeah. you know. Or you could just see just right like, down in oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. man, you yep. know. And, um, and that's still, we, we still work hard on that. Sean Stahl up in Canada was, uh, we had hunted one day. And he took a full hour. Um, we haven't gotten a lot of these out yet, but they're they're coming out. Short videos. We kept the camera guys there. Uh, I stayed. Sean was there. And, and the camera guys, the rest of their crew kind of went off, started scouting. Um, and he spent time on each one of those little things about why we do this versus that. Um, yep. You know, when you line them up and the, and the doors open, that leaves a gap you know, at the top. So how do you get a flip right. top up, you know, on the back? He did a video on that. He did, uh, okay. okay. you know, so, you know, this, the, that's how the stabilizers came about was just, you know, again, in users and using them and, you know, how can we get them quicker, uh, more stable, easier for, for easier for people to do. Cause I had seen right. and witnessed people trying to set them up with the, you know, with the poles and things like that. And people <laughs> had their struggles. Uh, and it's another Pete. It's a, it's another, those poles were another part, you know, it's yeah. just having to store those. And then these stabilizers, most of the guys that I see now are, are, are not even, they're not even folding them up. You just, you know, you leave them oh, like there's... this, you just, you know, put them in the trailer. Right in the trailer yeah. Yeah. You're taking those out. And what we'll do is we'll do uh, like a line. We have a string that's wrapped around. We'll get the wind. We do all of that. Um, Sean always tries to, you know, he wants to kind of 45 them or whatever. Cause at times, depending on the sun and everything else, um, it's tough to belly up. I mean, you don't want them just completely yeah. bellying up to the, so we'll take a string and we take that string, you know, just like you're doing a project and you do it on the ground. <laughs> and that string is how we keep it straight. And then we take the stabilizer bars, put the bars there, you know, and the bars are there and then the tops come and we'll do the tops or, or we'll do the fronts. You put the fronts on and it'll stay completely upright, you know, yeah. without the backs or whatever. And yeah. then the whole back is, is, is open. And then you start bringing in your chairs, your bags, I tell guys to go ahead and get their guns and their bags and stuff like that or whatever. Well, we started doing that and we were like, man, how much would this help like guides and outfitters without even knowing, right? right? Yeah. I mean, that's how to, you know, that that's how to do it, right? You get 
front setup, and then you put the seats in and tell your clients, you know, grab a seat from here down and, you know, yeah. that type of thing yeah. or whatever. So um, it's just so cool to, to, to be able to have, um, you know, number one, a mind like stall, but then have Corey who, uh, you know, is, is open to some of our crazy ideas. And trust me, we've had some that, that did not pan out. well i think everybody does yeah Yeah. i mean every company will try something and if it doesn't fees the company then it's just not you know there's some things that just aren't going to make the bill yeah yeah And, and you know we um it is easy to when you get a brand um so the three feathers you know the the time the tango free logo was sort of a, a cursive kind of scroll and yep. the last E had this, you know, kind of weight that, that, you know, went down. And I have uh, the 50th anniversary shirt that has. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yep, you know, yep. uh, which is super cool that, that, you know, that we did that and everything, um, that 50th anniversary. That's a, you know, that's a huge deal when you, sure that's when you what look. This is. Yeah. yeah it's, on, it's on the shoulder on the yep. arm. Yep. Yep. And so when we looked to rebrand, we wanted, um, you know, we wanted something cool. We wanted yeah. refreshed and cool and everything. And um, um, Jeff Simpson at the time was doing a, um, a bunch of Yeti stuff. And we okay. were at SHOT Show and, and um, the stuff he was putting out was just cool. That first, um, one of the first Yeti and then one of the first Sitka. So he was doing a bunch of stuff for Sitka. Okay. And we were just like, you know, we hadn't even we hadn't even worn or done anything at, at the time with Sitka. Yeah. But the way they were doing it, their logo was clean. It was cool. Yep. It was, um, we went over to their booth at SHOT Show and the catalog was, it was white. It was like a white catalog and you would turn it in each picture with just a full white background just stood out. Right. And it was oh, like, yeah. damn, that looks cool. It looks clean. clean it's yeah. like, yep. you know, and we were like, damn like that's (laughs) that's that's cool and uh so he came up with all kinds of different stuff we had Corey and Corey's sister and Corey's dad you know there was there was five or six of us and we would vote on stuff and we would like this and we didn't like that and that type of thing the scroll was was easy enough right we we liked the new tingle free scroll you know that that's clean but logo was like Woo, you know, how do, yeah. what do we do there? And um, I'm glad we listened. I, it, I don't even know if it might have been Corey's sister or Corey's dad, but we wanted to keep the the pintail somewhat in it, right? Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the, one of the first Tango Free logos was always the, uh, this, this pintail. We were like, you know, so he had come back with some sketches of, you know, of the pintail and then the, you know, the three feathers. Right. Yeah. Which as soon as we saw those, your mind goes to Nike, you know, yes. it's like a, yeah, you know, swoosh, and you're just like, yeah, yeah. damn. And then it just went from there. We were like, dude, I, I mean, three feathers. Then you get a sticker with just those three. Yeah. That's what we wanted. We wanted a, a brand where you could have a sticker that didn't have your name and someone would know that it was. And I was yes. like, that's that's cool as shit, because at the time everything was a circle. Yes. You had in a circle and you have, you know, 
top ducks in the circle and you would have yeah. you know all well, kinds that of works stuff. well for like hats and stuff where there was like that was the thing is just having yeah. like a circle with your logo in it and if it didn't have if the logo doesn't fit in the circle it looks weird it looks it's weird. not designed in a circle fashion yeah yeah like, but what's nice you know, with the feathers is that the you know because the tango free name is long yeah. So just having is. that little logo on there for for anything. I mean, you can yeah. put it on. I mean, I have a million of them on everything that I own. But it's like, it's just like you said, it's clean, it's simple, yeah. and it's just any. I'm not going to say it. Most waterfowlers know that symbol. That symbol. Yeah. 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 Uh, Avery did a really good job way back in the day. It was just a clean. If you saw the Avery name. And they yep. just had that. I think it was. Uh, There's a few cattails. I think a cattail at the end. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You know that was that was really recognizable. I mean that yeah. was known. Everything else was was circles. You had yes. puffed and committed and fa and you had, you know, all this stuff. Um, zinc. You just had big bold letters, right? You had the yep. name or whatever. Yep. And we were like, man, if we could, if we could do a logo. If you could do, you know, if you could get known by a symbol, that would be pretty badass. You know, oh, yeah. that would be cool. Yeah. And, um, it blew up um, at the beginning with the three feathers. We've had to make some changes. I don't know if you're aware of some of the uh, Adidas. I don't put. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so. Probably one of the coolest hats of, of all time was just the three feathers. Yeah. It just had the, the three feathers or whatever. Well, um Obviously, we had done our research. Uh, nobody had done it. It wasn't there. But Adidas um, came and didn't go as far as like an cease and assist, but they did gave a big warning. Um, they have a brand no that's way. called Three Stripe Life. So it, okay. it's, it almost looks more like a pyramid. It. There's a, a small triangle, then a bigger triangle, then a bigger one, and, and that type of okay. thing. Okay. And in soccer, they turn it sideways. And in football, they 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 do different stuff. Really? And we were like, oh shit. <laughs> so <laughs> Corey, Corey went to his, you know, his attorney and was like, hey, can you look at this? And you know, that type of thing. And um, that's one thing in waterfowl, you gotta have a really good patent attorney. Oh, um, believe it, yeah. <laughs> he went and the attorney read through it and didn't even read the entire thing and was like, yep. You need to, you need to stay away no from that. Way. And we're like, cr- no way. No, I have no idea. So, so you'll notice like that shirt, you can't see the bottom of it, but it says Tango Free at the bottom. Yeah. Okay. So we cannot have now apparel that just has the three feathers on it. That is, that's blowing my mind right now. It's that's got crazy. to I mean, have, it can have the wow. scroll underneath. It can have the pintail. It can have something else in it. It can't just be the the three feathers by themselves. So if you have really? any, if you have any of those first hats that have the three feathers, just <laughs> hang on to them. I think I have the only one that I have that has just the three feathers on it is the American flag hat. Yeah, that has yeah. it in the yeah in the in in the uh, yeah oh, where that the was stars great, are yeah that was a great hat too yeah it's in okay. rough shape I've worn that thing I've worn it out it's yeah it's not black anymore on the front all white and because <laughs> i wear it when yeah. i fish so like it just has gotten sweat oh so sweaty right yeah oh yeah it's yeah. disgusting yeah. yeah no that's super cool that it's uh that it's crazy the re- though that you, yeah oh that story is about, insane you know? yeah yeah 
but just to see so, like where that's evolved to from the be from from the old logo to this and like i'm assuming that when you guys rebranded that was part of the direct to consumer shift as well it wasn't at first it wasn't okay. at the time the the um the rebranding was done first loved it the catalog came out awesome we 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 were on a great trajectory we had met at the time we had met some guys um so the way some of the sales used to work was and still does independent sales reps right yep. so avery back in the day had actual sales reps direct sales reps that that worked for avery and Got sold okay. avery products yeah um that's not a it's it's just it's not a business model that works i mean because those guys make a lot of money they make commission they make you know that kind right. of thing travel so, expense and everything then it got to independent sales reps and there's guys out there like um like a jeff watt um coffee company and and, and different things and what they do is they're an independent sales rep and they have different brands right so they they carry you know a lot of different brands okay and then and they do the sales for you so they go into cabela's they go into bass pro and and, and things like that okay it it's a good model except for that those guys are in a way controlling your own destiny right because right. they, they go have to that, push your product yeah they go yeah. into that meeting and that's a big meeting i mean that's a face-to-face -face in sydney nebraska with cabela's that's somebody who doesn't necessarily work directly for you that's selling your stuff. Yep. How is he representing you? What's he right. what's he really saying? Right. Right. Um they started carrying so many brands that it was like, okay, well, you know, how are you gonna push us over, you know, rig'em right? Right. So we had independent sales reps that would would have both rig'em right and tangle free and that, and it's like the lines started getting drawn where like you're like, whoa, you know. At first, maybe they were just rigs and then they, you know, that started getting more difficult. But because of those guys, we were able to uh, form a relationship with Sitka. And Jonathan Hart at the time was, you know, um, kind of captaining Sitka at the time. He had split okay. off Jonathan uh, from QU and, and that kind of thing. So we were like, well, you know, I mean, let's do what we do best which is how do we get in front of them how do we you know this and that so uh cory invites him out to his ranch jonathan hart actually lived a couple hours away oh, drove no to, way drove to Corey's ranch and what do we spend the day doing shooting ground squirrels shooting <laughs> all kinds of shit having ipa beers on the truck it was just like <laughs> what i mean this is this is the guy that's the perfect business meeting oh it was awesome and so <laughs> You know, that's when it was like, man, could we get some of this Tango Free stuff? Could we could we put in an Optifade? Um, at the time, there was one pit bag. It was a uh, Beretta. It was a Beretta okay. gun case and gun bag, and that was the only license that had that could do you know Optifade. Really? So we were like that. Corey's sole goal was optifade if we could get this shit in optifade because i mean you know the sitco oh, yeah. i mean it's you know crazy at the time yeah. so we were the first licensee for optifade and it wasn't from sitka 
because at the time Sitka had sold to Gore. So it was okay. It was, so it's through Gore. Okay. It was through Gore, and that license was like, holy shit! It was, you can't do this. You can do this. You could, you know, all of this different like regulations. Um, Corey set the way. I mean, he he was the first to do it. Um, now now there's a lot of of licenses. Yeah. Rig and Ride has it, and and a lot of different Mo- people have it. Mo- which Marsh is, and Momar. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So. That was that was a cool, you know, that that was a cool relationship and and that type of thing. Um, Gosh. And we 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 recreated that with First Light. Yeah. You know, so um, not that you probably won't see it in more places or whatever, but that term innovation, you know, gets thrown around. But we can take some pride in that Corey went through that trouble and through that grind to, you know, to open that up. Right. Um, now he opened it up to all, all these other competitors <laughs> and everything else. Um, yeah. but he did the same thing with first light, you know, he, yeah. he will be able to stamp that he was the first licensee for, you know, for first light, um, yeah. which it's a big deal. It, it is, it, um, uh, it's interesting. I mean, that, that's, that's a yeah. different, um, uh, you know, those, those big game guys are, um, are tougher. Yeah. They, they, they are, uh, you know, they have their big game stuff. They, they, you know, they're big on layering and they're big on that yeah. stuff and they got their crispy boots and they, yeah. they, they got that stuff. And when you talk about waterfowl to them, they're like, well, I'll just it's wear a whole different sh- world. I'll wear the shit I have. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what do I need? What do I need that? I'm not gonna, <laughs> I, already, I already have it. Maybe it's in yeah. a different camo, but come on. Yeah. Come on. And waterfowl they, guys, they, you know. Yeah. They don't, they don't see like the different, uh backgrounds and be like oh i need to wear marsh optifade or i need to wear yeah. timber optifade they're like i got this whatever sub op sub sub alpine or something and yeah. they're just like ah, i'm good i don't have to worry about it yeah yeah but it's those, different those... i mean like i've listened i listened to the punisher episode with uh the guy from first light explaining like how they're making the transition um to waterfall and it's like it's uh the pattern is different i will say yep. i will say that my i have the first light dead zone blind and yeah. that looks phenomenal in the field and yeah, a, I, and a, it's it looks really nice yeah the you know uh, a, a tough lesson we learned through the optifade thing that we're learning through first light too and it's good cuz we're able to give first light some of this feedback that pattern looks different on different fabrics so oh. if you, you know, if you put that Optifade on, on a denier fabric, on just a pure canvas denier fabric or whatever. Okay. It, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look the same. If Lighter, on, darker or something. Yeah. yeah. So we had to deal with all kinds of different, you know, fabrics for that layout blind as well to try to get the, the pattern to look you know, like it should. Right. Cause, cause a guy who goes in and spends his thousand dollars on his, you know, Sitka jacket and pants or whatever. Yeah. And that's it. He don't want to blind and look down and it just looked completely different. Cause it's right. on a different, you know, yeah. on a different fabric. So, um, we're, we're, we're getting into that now with, with first light, you know, our gun yeah. case is a real heavy, um, denier fabric that's over 
several layers and, and a couple of those layers are waterproof and then you have glue and then you have fabric and you know the way they're put together yeah um one of the first ones that i got that that had the typha on it or whatever i was like it looked like a banana it was <laughs> it, it was pretty yellow <laughs> that, that bright it was, yeah yeah you know um and i held it up to like something else that i had which was like a gun strap or whatever and i was like Dude, that that doesn't it's not know, the same yeah. that doesn't okay. look close you know um so that's that's kind of cool but we're 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 getting there with the you know with the yeah. first light but um that consumer base is different there's no no doubt about it you know yeah but well, it's funny because i have a lot of almost all of my waterfowl gear is sitka i went to that from whatever i had before it's worked out phenomenal for me yeah but i saw the first light and i'm like you know it's different and i trust you guys so i'm like oh, i'll pick up some <laughs> some tango free first light stuff and see so like my i bought a second dog vest that's the first light uh bought the gun case that's first light my marsh stool first light the dead zone blind and uh it's just interesting taking some of the stuff that i already had that was either in max five or uh um optifade or whatever and just seeing the difference when you're out in the field yeah. like if i have my uh my dog with his first light vest on and he gets into his mo marsh that's the optifade marsh and so it's just cool to see the differences and be yeah. like is that is it really that big of a difference probably not but like yeah. you said we're waterfowlers and we like to tinker and we like to we see like, yeah differences like like and, and it's and, just yeah. yeah yeah what 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 sitka did for me um and i was with sitka very early on um as as ambassador and that type of thing it gave us street cred that us waterfowlers oh, yeah. it, it didn't have, you know. Yeah. And we didn't have a lot of you Columbia had a really good jacket. Drake waterfowl was was yes. you know, but the jackets were were all overweight, oversized, huge, huge yes. jackets. Heavy too. He yeah. Sitka came along and gave us, you know, uh, guys like me and and goose guides and grind they, they gave us some street cred they yeah you know we never heard of layering <laughs> you know i just put on <laughs> you, you know two more hoodies or just exactly more yeah. you know and yeah. stuff like that <laughs> um and and it gave us it, it gave us some credit right yeah. we were able to 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 do some of that stuff um you know that that first they came out with that pantanal bib and it was uninsulated yeah and i was like how how could you possibly have an uninsulated bib? Yeah, At what the time would this be I was wearing um, Nat Gear, right? And it was okay. called Winter, Winter Scepter Fleece. <laughs> I mean, okay. it was like sleeping bags yeah. on your legs. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm never wearing anything else. This is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, about if you layered and then you put complete windproof over top of that. Right. How much of a I was difference like, it no, is. No way that's gonna keep me warm. And it was yeah. just like, holy shit. I mean, it yeah. was like um I tell people all the all the time, and I know the debate that's it's the great debate about price and this and that or whatever, but at the end of the day, they they gave us some street cred and they took their knowledge of uh you know big game hunting and those guys, you know, right. and I don't think we give them enough credit. I mean, I know some waterfowlers who you know, live on powdered donuts and, and Red yeah, Bulls. I mean, like you said, we don't give the, the big game guys enough credit for, we, for we kind don't. of paving the way for uh, a lot, especially the insulation portion of the, the, the gear. 
had you ever heard the term next to skin before, you know, I, I mean, before, before Sitka. Kind of Sitka, I mean, I, you know, yeah. hell, I didn't know what it was. Under Armour, I guess, would be the closest thing, but it wasn't <laughs> an insulation. It's funny you say Under Armour, the, one of the, um, one of the first Sitka ambassador deals was that, that you got, um, you got X amount of, of money to spend um you know okay, so they would okay. give you credit and you could you know purchase different stuff so um but you purchased an msrp so it was kind of like you know so if they gave you three thousand oh. dollars in credit it was like uh you know you had to your hudson dibs were 700 bucks instead of the 40 yeah. percent off uh so i was like yeah you know oh shit so i uh I, I log on and i'm like okay well you know bibs gotta have you know gotta have bibs so yeah pant no bibs and then, you know, I mean, that ate up a bunch. And then I was like, okay, I got to have a vest. I want a vest. I, yes. I'm a vest guy. I love So them. I wanted that. <laughs> and then I was like, and then, you know, then you got to get a jacket. So I got yep. this big ass, you know, the pantinal jacket that goes, okay. you know, that goes way down or whatever. I didn't get anything else. No, I didn't get any next to skin stuff. I already got no layering stuff. So <laughs> one of the first times out, I was an Under Armour, you know, so I do under armor cold gear i do like a hoodie i put this freaking jacket on and i'm out there for like five minutes i'm like oh just dying like i am dying i'm yeah. like something is not working it was just <laughs> holding everything and i was like so then i got to you know and then i got to know some of those guys and there was a guy matt brimmer who was kind of like in, in uh up in the pacific northwest and he was okay one of the first like directors of of the program and stuff and he was like you idiot he's like yeah he's like you, you you need you know he's like you need merino wool and i'm like merino what like what the hell you know what are you talking about no yeah. you know i'm a goose guy i wear sweats i wear you know this <laughs> and um i got some of that stuff or whatever and i was just like you know game changer. oh my gosh it was game yeah. changing it was yeah. it was it was how to breathe in different stuff. It was, yes. you know, I still tell people all the time, you still got to try a bunch of stuff. I mean, people just yeah. run at different temperatures, right? I mean, right. Um, and and when you don't hit it right, it, it you pay for it. You know, yeah. if you run yeah. too hot in the morning, setting out 110 dozen goose decoys for little geese, you you feel it the rest of the day. But oh yeah, that stuff, I was just like, I, and then I was bought in and I was like, I'm getting underwear. I'm getting underwear. <laughs> I'm freaking doing this. I'm doing, you know, I'm yep. doing that. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's 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 crazy. But those guys, uh, so to be able to get Tangle Free with Optifade and be associated with 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 yeah. Sitka in some way, right, yeah. was was absolutely just, you know, trajectory was was skyrocketing. Yeah, well, I mean, so, it's, a, it's the, the the mindset, too, when you start getting into the, you know, especially with the Optifade, that, like, if yeah. you can get a layout blind that matches your jacket or matches your bibs, it's like, yeah, Huge. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I buy boots that match my Optifade and, you know, yeah. dog blinds and all that stuff. And it's like, all that. it also helps, too, I think, the uniformity of it when you're in a field for brushing. Because if you've got yeah. somebody that has a really dark layout blind, like for instance, yeah. I have, like I said, I have that first light dead zone, and then I also have the tangle free ghost dirt blind. Yeah. So like brushing those two is completely different. Yeah. 
the yeah. ghost blind is so dark and like it works great for like bean fields it works great for uh like river banks if we're hunting on like the edge of a a, a river or like uh a pond or something yeah. there's instances for it but like if you have five optifade layout blinds and you're using the same cover everything's gonna look the same and you're gonna hide better same thing with like the max five panel blinds if you have max five panel blinds running all the way down it's easy to brush those the same way and they'll all look right they won't yeah. nothing stands out yeah so yeah, i think that that right. also does to help yeah and if you if if you take into you know if you take that model that that sitka model of of sort of bringing street cred to you know to guys if you take a little bit of that and insert it into to waterfowl as well into some of the products and like the like the go-to bag and yep. like the snap blind and you you go into those with with that type of thinking like get away from the norm try you know try something different right um you know make it for for trying to make it for the masses i mean that's yep. the hardest part in in product design is that is is you know can I make something and am I going to sell it to a hundred people who could really, really use it? Right. Or, you know, or could I sell it to 10,000 people? Right. You know? um, and, and, and maybe they use it and maybe they don't, or maybe right. they don't, you know, that type of thing. We get emails constantly all, all the time about new products. They're not bad. Um, some of them are a little, some of them are a little <laughs> weird. <laughs> we, we actually have a list that, that has some like the top, you know, like a letterman top 10 of, of the worst. Um, they're all for specific things, right? I mean, yes. we have a guy who sent us something. I've never even thought about this. He hunts in an area. Um, it might've been Utah. I'm not sure, but wherever it was, it was an absolutely clear lake okay like one of those ones that you could see down four feet and and see the pebbles and everything else yeah and he says that the strings <laughs> and we were like oh, the yeah. strings what do you what, what do you, you know he's like yeah you put you know 40 of those things out there you back away and what do you see you see a black string hanging Blind. and we're like yeah. what i mean never in our you know never in our mind he wanted to take a string and wrap like a a leaf of flage around around oh. each one and he had done it um you know like uh, fish tanks you know um, yeah, yeah, guys yeah. guys have those fake you know things oh, like yeah. that or whatever he had done it he's like oh i think you guys you know and i'm like yeah i'm like i mean that's great for you it would only be for him yeah, yeah. i don't i mean Oklahoma is just completely red dirt, <laughs> nasty pond. Like you don't even see shit. Yeah. I mean, so those are the types of things we have all kinds of, of, of that kind of stuff, you know, and, it, but it's cool. Again, gets you a contact, you get an end user. So right. we love to hear from end users. It's, it's a guy who's using your product all the time. So you don't want to just right. push him to the side. Um, but to, to go through those and really find out, you know, which ones can, which ones can we what's, do? What's viable? Yeah, yeah. What's viable? What can you sell it for? Yeah. Um, you know, that, that type of thing is, yeah. is cool. So well, what and, I, what I appreciate about like what you guys have done is that you like, like for me being in like a, I, I specific, mo more specifically target divers than 
yeah. most anything else. Like I, I do goose hunt, I do puddle duck hunt, but like like I was telling you, the channel has essentially shifted its way to focusing on diver hunting. Right. Your guys' diver decoys are foam filled. incredible. Foam filled. The the paint on them looks fantastic. They ride well in the water. Uh the size proportionally they they work. You know, the bluebills aren't these giant uh, right. for, I mean, they, everything looks fantastic, but like you said, that's not everybody in the country isn't hunting divers, but you guys have taken the extra effort to put into them to make them what they are. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I like that you guys don't half-ass any of it. You whole ass the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're, you know, the direct to consumer helped you do that because the, those like the independent sales reps that were sort of representing you at a time, some of them would bring product designs. Well, the product design would just be because you didn't have it. So they would right. go into a meeting at Cabela's and they would say, Hey, Cabela's wants to order this skew and this skew and you're missing this skew. So, you know, you, you guys should really make that. Well, yeah. oh, that's, okay, okay. That's Got not it. really a reason to make something is 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 just because it's missing out of your portfolio, right? Right. Yeah. Um, what we wanted was, you know, because then you're 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 designing it for, and you really have no certainty that 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 skew that Cabela's would buy it the next year, right? right. They want to spread the wealth, and and I understand that they want to give other people other opportunities. And they right. only have so much space, so. For diver decoys, they're like, you know, we'll we'll pick up five of your SKUs here, but we want to give Bandit or Avery or whoever else at the time, we, we want to give them some diver space too. They're coming out with a new one. So they're gonna we're gonna pick up two of their SKUs and drop your two SKUs. And you're okay, like, Okay, okay. Well, why you know, you're penalized, you're you they're dropping two of your SKUs, not for performance related. Right, yeah. You know, like wait a second, we didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. They're not underperforming. You just want to give, you know, space to to other things. And that was that, you know, that was tough. That was, oh, that of course, was yeah. sort of the straw that that kind of broke it right there. And then yeah, you know, Corey looked at um all kinds of direct to consumer companies. I mean, everything from um Vice Golf Balls, um, you know, which was one of the first it was a direct to consumer for golf balls, high yeah. end golf balls, right? Um, you can't buy vice in, in stores. You go to the website and you, you know, to do this, looking at all kinds of different, you know, models and seeing, you know, how we could pull it off and that type of thing. And now you see it in, you know, I, I clearly dive bomb has, you know, taken yeah. storm with with direct to consumer and they're doing it correctly and they're coming out with a lot of stuff. Now they have a little bit of different strategy. I mean, they're they're putting that logo on on everything and anything. Right. Um, yeah. And and if that if that works um, to build a brand and to, to get up, you know, then, then, then that works. We've tried right. a little bit of that, um, but we would rather, you know, maybe put those, those dollars and, and that type of thing. Cause it costs you money. I mean, it, of course. You know, they yeah. cannot rubber boots. I mean, those things, it's a lot of money to build them over there, get them sewn, yeah. have them shipped over here or whatever. We'd rather spend money in, in, you know, some other areas, um, we want to bring back. Um, this is funny um, when you when you talk about that big bluebill. We had a magnum duck decoy. Okay. I mean, it was a a huge one. Yeah. It was Il Illinois. I mean, it was guys who hunt, um, you know, big
big Illinois River, Missouri yeah. River, and those type of things. And they, you know, boat space, that type of thing. And, and I mean, I would look at this thing and I'd be like, this is the dumbest thing. I mean, 30 like, inch decoy. <laughs> who the hell, you know, would grab this? It was as big as surprised. That's it. Yeah. That w- that was one where it was like, are we selling to a hundred people or are we selling to, you know, and then you had to open your eyes because maybe, maybe Corey and I, maybe we're not the majority in some cases. Right. We're, Corey and I are not the majority in divers. We have yep. to rely heavily on other people for that. Yep. Um, Illinois River, Missouri River, we, we don't do those things. And right. so... We have to rely on other people, you know. Yeah. Um, the goose decoys and panel blinds and layout blinds and that type of thing is is up my alley and right. um, stuff that I do day in and day out. And uh, yeah. but the diver thing and and yeah, this. So we're looking at it, uh, <laughs> looking at getting a, a mold made and everything and getting back into the to the magnum. I saw the stage. the magnum mallards on the website and I was like, huh, okay, cool. Yeah. Probably gonna pick some up. So (laughs) guys would rather um, on the Illinois River, heavy currents, things like that. They would rather throw out twelve of those than five dozen regular decoys. Yeah, well, it just it it gets their attention. Like we've we've hunted small water around here, and like if there's a spot where where birds are working into, that's you know you're you don't want them to fight for space, but you want them to see it from afar you know wherever they're if they're cruising over and they look down there's six you know real tiny little you know like like teal or something yeah yeah they're not gonna see that but there's a 24 inch magnum mallard there they go huh all right let's see what this is about and they you know you have yeah. a better chance i can understand that for sure and i think that that's why i say like you would be surprised is because that's how people around here like to hunt and yeah. like on the big water you know, there's if you talk to a hundred diver hunters, eighty-five of them are gonna say, "Oh, I want Magnum black ducks. Black ducks. I want Magnum bluebills. They want the yeah. biggest ones they can find." And I've hunted over, you know, Magnum yeah. canvasback and bluebills, and I have foam-filled old herders that are Magnum black ducks that I have on long lines, and like they work. Right. I mean, it just why has why has flocking not taken a hold of diver decoys like it has puddle ducks? I think that that has to do with just the coloring on the bodies because you know if you've got a if you've got a flocked mallard head, yeah, the lighting is going to change and it's going to look different. You know if you've got an overcast day and you've got flocking on the head, it's going to be a darker shade of green. Or if you've got the bright bluebird day it's going to be a lighter shade and i think that people that puddle duck hunt see that change and they can attribute it to their success where like diver ducks when when they see a if they see a black silhouette there and we don't really it's not a whole if there was a flocked like bluebill or something i'd buy it just to see the difference but there there isn't Nobody yeah. makes them, and so there's just not there's not a need for it. Where like if you would if you mallard duck hunted a lot, and you said like I need tw- two dozen flocked head mallards, those are going to be perfect for what I do. Well, I have ten dozen diver decoys. I 
if if I'm going to I'm buying more for the quantity as opposed to the quality of the decoy. Yeah. Yeah. So if I can get a black and white decoy, like if somebody came out with like a, a shadow type series diver duck and they were just like, this is a golden eye mold and it's white and black. It yeah. Would, people would buy the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why a lot of people that diver hunt also like buying black ducks. And like, yeah, the flock black ducks are great because they work well for diver hunting and they work well for puddle duck hunting. Right. The flocking, I, I yeah, it just it's just not a priority. It, it's a uh, yeah, it's 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 a tough. It's a tough consumer, you know, as well, like. Our perceptions are waterfowl is the strangest and sometimes the dumbest consumer world where, <laughs> you know, it's one of the only ones where, you know, you buy, uh, you know, these guys go out, buy a brand new truck, you know, and they treat it freaking great. Right. I mean, the guys at the car wash every Saturday, Sunday, it's, yep. you know, pristine, this and that. And he wants it, you know, he wants it to last, but yep. he'll buy a flock decoy. And if that flocking, and he'll bang it and throw it in boats yeah. and treat it like shit. And that yeah. flocking comes off in 60 days. We get an email with a picture. Uh, these suck. Why is this off. coming off? Yeah. You're like, holy shit, man. I mean, look at the the environment you're you're in. You know, look well, at the thing that flocking I hate is, is, is tough. Oh, oh well, the flocking's tough just because you're at the mercy of the 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 adhesive. Yeah. Yeah. But also like. They make slotted bags. You can put like you you don't have the my biggest pet peeve in waterfowl hunting is when people say I'm so hard on my gear, nothing lasts. It's no, you don't take care of it. You don't take care of it. Yeah. I have slotted bags for everything. And if I really am that concerned about it, they go in the slotted bag. Yeah. I also don't take Texas rig decoys and launch them into my boat. I will lift them and set them in. Like yeah. it just it it that thing that part of it really really irks me because if 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 you're that concerned about your gear lasting take care of it yeah just like just like you said with your truck yeah you don't yeah. want it to rust you're gonna you're gonna drive it through a field if it gets mud on it you take it power wash it and then you park it in the garage or the barn right but if you spend 120 dollars on flock decoys you're not gonna spend an extra 30 dollars for a bag to put them in that's gonna make them last longer i just don't yeah. it does not make any sense to me yeah the 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 customer service portion of it is uh can be difficult at times i know? believe it because you're talking I, to a guy who you know probably is wearing three thousand dollars worth of shit right, right. i mean that, yeah. that's he's probably spent that on sitka yeah. um He's now shooting on average a thousand dollar shotgun, right? Of I mean, course, it's, yeah. it's anywhere from sixteen hundred yeah. to, you know, even a pump is five or six hundred dollars. Yeah. So six hundred dollars in tungsten or whatever, and then you know, this type of thing for you know customer service for a, for a decoy is just like what? <laughs> like, yeah, and then nobody you know. wants. Yeah, it's 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 really uh, I I envy I don't envy the the being a customer service uh person but i respect them because of what they have to go through yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh it's wild yeah and we get to you know we now get to learn that stuff from um how first light is doing it um you know we're really interested in this you know this 
announcement about waiters. Yes. Um, that, that one is very intriguing. How do you warrant the, you know, warranty those, how do you service those, that, that type of thing? How are they dealing with that? So we're, we're going to really keep our eyes and ears open and, and, that's half the fun with partnerships is we're able to, you know, kind of learn from them how they handle some of this stuff and, and that yeah. type of thing. Cause Sitka waiters. Yes. I have, you know, I had one of the first pair, I think number 11 <laughs> that's still written on the inside. Um, that's and then great. I have another, I have another pair and, um, I had all the same thing that everybody else did. I had the break in the neoprene at the, you know, yeah. that type of thing. Um, I wouldn't say it was, you know, but how they handled it, how Sims handled it and, um, you know, those kind of things. I mean, we're just we're, we're interested in that to find out how yeah. how people are, are, are doing that and that type of thing, you know. So, yeah. Well, you also have like the people. So if, if you get customer service questions and like say that somebody does come in, they say, oh, I use these decoys for 60 days and the flocking just ripped off of them. And then you say, well. Maybe you should have taken taken care of them. That person is <laughs> going to go on every waterfall forum and just bash the name. So like, it's, I'm sure that that be, takes yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'll erupt on hardcore waterfowler and everybody will lose their minds. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I believe yeah. it. Yeah, the, well, the we're excited about the um, we're excited about the first light stuff. Um, yeah, we're we're excited about some of that. We're going to continue. To grow the the uh, R&T relationship with Sean Stahl and, and John Stevens and those guys. I mean, what what great minds to you know tap into there. Oh yeah. Um, and then yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the Goose Crew as long as as long as I can. And uh, as, long as they'll as, have you. As long as they'll have me, which uh, <laughs> you know, we're gonna we're gonna continue doing that. RNTV I think is in season 17, 17 or eighteen or something, and um which That's is crazy. which is just amazing yeah one of the longest running shows and then yeah tango free with their you know 50th year um no you know don't have financial backers like a lot of people i mean it's yep. it's solely and privately owned um by Corey and his his family um there's there's no red there's no debt they're paying themselves they're you know um just in a in a in a great Great spot, great lane, um, easy to jump out of it, and yeah. he has to he has to tailor me back because I do see <laughs> I do see what dive bomb and 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 people are doing right. I mean I'm not yeah. going to not notice you know what they're doing, and I kind of right. want to rev up and that type of thing. And he has to you know he has to put me in my place and and that the type waste of waste of reason. And it's in, and he's in a really good place, but. But then it's easy to back off, and then it's easy not to, you know, yeah. come out with a with a new decoy and stuff. We, like I said, we have a couple new molds with the with ducks. Um, I think we're there with the full body goose decoy. That production was 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 um, that was a three year fiasco of hard plastic, soft plastic, tr- different blends, uh, motion state, you know, all kinds of different things. Yeah. There was, there's all kinds of prototypes out there. I have to always, I'm searching the internet for, guys, a lot of guys have prototypes and, and you know, you know how waterfowl is. These dudes turn yeah. around and they sell them. <laughs> yeah. We've had, we've had to go out and buy prototypes back from people and be like, whoa, we don't, you know, we don't want, we don't want, we don't what? want those out there. 
Um, but we're there. That's that's produced. We went to a plastic. Uh, it's it's not a you know it's not a soft plastic. It's a it's a hard plastic. But yeah, we're there with that. Um, continue some stuff on the panel blind. Um, you know some looking at some pockets and some different places like that. You know we don't want to over accessorize that thing and and make it more difficult. I mean it's simple for right. a reason, but. We're, we're looking at some of that stuff or whatever. Uh, we're going to continue um, some stuff on the snap blind. I think that's, that's, that's really big. And then, you know, the divers are just, um, you know, anything and everything we can learn about, uh, about divers. We, we, we wish you guys hid better. I mean, we, we still don't <laughs> understand how you guys just sit out there in a boat and <laughs> don't hide and they just come and fly to you and you kill them. Like, that's still hard Look. for us to totally understand. So we, we wish you That's guys. That's why we don't need flocking. Yeah, we, we wish <laughs> you guys used more gear out there than just decoys and guns and shells. But <laughs> Well, that's why I also have three separate boats for doing different stuff because I, you know, for divers, I have to have a big lake boat. I have to have to, yeah. a boat that, that I can haul my, my layout boat on. Uh, a boat that will also fit 10 dozen decoys, my layout boat, all of our Jeez. gear. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really, really big change from like marsh hunting. Yeah. When I first started doing it, it was just like, my mind was blown. I'd never right. seen anything like it. You know, I've been walking through this, mar you know, same marsh for three, four, five years. And then I meet up with some guys and like, you ever layout hunted? I'm like, I don't, I mean, I don't have any fields to go in. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> they're like this is out in the middle of the lake and i'm like you're out of your mind but yeah i'll go it just yeah since, since then it's just that's that was the second bug the first bug was was waterfowl in general and then the second bug was diver hunting yeah. it's a it's it's a it's hard to explain to people you know when you're you're laying out in the middle of the lake by yourself and then you have 30 50 100 bluebills come in and land at like 10 yards and you yeah, sit up and you're looking them in the eyes and you're yeah. like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard yeah. to explain that to somebody. And, uh, you know, it's also, it's, it's, it's just tough. You know, you got, you're in a boat that's moving and you sit up to shoot and, uh, it's just something yeah, that it's, it's otherworldly. You know, panel blinds versus layup lines. I mean, that was a huge thing for, for guides and outfitters was, you never know what's coming into camp, right? I mean, so right. if you're running six or eight guys, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was at, right after January, I went out to Front Runner in Emporia, Kansas, and they were having five guys come in. Yeah. Well, four guys walk in and I meet them. The fifth guy walks in and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> that dude is not getting out of a, you know, no offense. I mean, but yeah. he's he not getting out of a layout line. He was a no. big big you know he was a big man yeah well you don't have you, you know i mean if you're trying to turn and burn pretty quick you want to shoot you want to get out not burn something hit the road yeah. you know if, if you're doing that type of thing you can't have a guy who is getting up at the first flock maybe gets a shot off but doesn't you know he's like oh you know i can barely right, get yeah. up and then yeah, yeah you can't do that and so yeah. the panel blinds gave these guys an opportunity peek through the porthole, see it. Yeah. All of a sudden it was, you would, you know, 
if you got 10 or 12 honkers in and you had five guys, you'd usually have four to five dead birds on the water. Right. You, you know, now all I have to do for clients is get them five or six goes, you know, yeah. and I can do five or six goes with honkers. I can do that with now a feed of 175, 115, you know, as long right. as they come in, in tens and twelves and things like that. Yeah. Boom. That's, that's you. That's game changing. Yeah. For me, you yeah. know, Absolutely. I mean, so same thing, you know, like you talking out there. I mean, I, I, there's probably a lot of misses. <laughs> in oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, there. yeah. I've seen right? people I mean, go through. I, I've had times where I've gone in and I've shot my six birds in under 10 minutes. And then somebody goes in and they shoot two boxes in an hour and a half. And it's like, yeah, it, it's it's all experience. Of course, like, I, I've gone through it plenty of times where, you know, when I was first getting used to it, I'm shooting a box of shells and shooting two two birds but like yeah it's it also depends on the bird like you know buffleheads fly faster than bluebills and golden eyes and redheads and you know then you go sea ducks and it's like well eiders and scoters are feel like shooting geese because they're coming in so slow but then a uh uh old squaw comes flying by and you're 12 feet behind it like it's just there's so many different variations it's uh it's pretty insane at Hurt Locker in El Dorado, Kansas, you know, we, we got really hooked on how close can we get, you know, can we finish <laughs> lessers? Can we finish lessers like snow geese? Can we finish them on top of us? How up close and personal? And the best yeah. way was blankets. And okay. So we, we, you know, Corey came out there, we took a hundred different versions and we made, you know, so there's a, there's a blanket. Now there was a company yep. called Rancho Safari that was kind of making one of the first ones. I know what you're talking about. Yep. We, you know, we were doing that and we would do it and it was the, it was the most fun that we had ever had. Well, <laughs> we tried to carry that to clients. Now ask okay. a guy who's on the ground on a wedge under a blanket now ask him to flip that blanket off, grab you know, grab that gun, and yeah. do that. And on lessers, if you don't have a ten thousand feed, you may get three goes, four goes at a time, right? <laughs> that guy, the first time he gets hung up in the blanket, he doesn't even get a shot off, and you're like, oh shit, you know. <laughs> and then you you get four of those goes, and he's shot his gun twice, and he looks at you, and he's like, you know, I mean, are we are we gonna stay here all day? And you're like, right that's it <laughs> like I, that's, that we, was the we know we've been watching these birds all day i can tell you that was the last go you're 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 done you know um so it is it's experience it's it's that type of thing but yeah. that's what's cool right making all those different tools for different environments different people right you know different things like that so like you said, you've got to find these people all across the country that can kind of R&D it for you and figure out, like, is this going to appeal to people? Is this an actual problem that we yeah. need to solve? And then incorporating that into your guys's, you know, yeah. uh, business model and seeing yeah. if it makes sense. And then, yeah, just all trying the to get it out to, to people. The, the walk-in hunters. I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a huge portion, right? I mean, you got public At least guys. Half. It's the public grind, and they they yep. you know they do that. Um, the the three sixty, so the the panel blind that yes. was that, that yep. was, it's called the three sixty. Yep. That's huge. You know oh, how yeah. can we incorporate the panel blind that we use for twelve goose hunters? How can we do that for the guy, you know, who's going to go Let's out go there by himself? 
yeah. and go by himself or whatever. And that yeah. that was a big one because it the way it folds up octagonally can go yeah. on a sled. Guy could pull the sled out um, easily can fit on a Four Rivers layout boat or just a small right. aluminum boat or something like that. You know, um, it's compact. Those guys are, you know, those guys are awesome. I wish I could design a, a bunch of different stuff for those guys, but, um, you know, stuff that that stuff that stuff is tough, right? I mean, yeah. is it backpacks? Is it sleds? Is it this? Is it that? You know, I mean, but those dudes are crazy, right? Those are the one a.m., oh, yeah. two a.m. Save my spot, go out there, and you know, we've done um, that too. Slept yeah. overnight and done the whole deal. You know, it's a uh, but it, it is, it's a huge portion of waterfowl hunters. You know, yeah. there's, there's. It's where most guys started. So, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and then, you I mean, know, most... as generationally, we start to kind of, you know, swing from, you know, one generation, more, another generation of waterfowlers starts to come up, they figure it out. And then, you yeah. know, you've, you, everybody's learning the same way that they did. Somebody else did 10, 20 years ago. But now yeah. it's just a little different. Yeah, that's a whole same nother, concept. Whole another podcast is 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 that younger. <laughs> I struggle. I struggle with that. Yeah, you know? and, a lot and of I'm, do. I'm a uh, I'm a big part of it. I I know it. Right. I realize that um, that at times I don't put out the best you know per- perception. Um, so that sucks when you know that you're part of the problem and not the solution but yeah you know that's why i like to do these types of things i like to talk to you i like you know that that no i did not you know at, at no point did i start in this you know great place with sean stall and be able to kill limits every right. day or whatever i yeah. i won't i wanted to do that but i had to do all kinds of different things to you know try to kill two a day much less four a day right. and this and that and yeah. now some of these kids want that pretty quick they they yeah. they want they don't want to walk out by themselves and and do that they they yeah. they all of a sudden think ten buddies and we're gonna kill you know a, a ten man lemon of geese and yeah. if we don't it sucks and this and that or whatever and um that sucks because I know that stall and yeah. I know that myself and sometimes we put that perception out there but that's you know do you want to watch do you want to watch a 30 minute TV show of us just struggling for three days trying exactly. to, you know, it, it, in a lot of cases reality, but it doesn't, that's not what people want to see. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I've, I've struggled with it too, just because I, I, I mean, the videos that I put out, I, I'm not shooting limits all the time by any means, but in Ohio, it's, it's a tough it's a tough waterfall scene as far as, you know, bird numbers go. We just aren't a big flyway. We are for divers, and that's kind of why I've shifted to what I did. Um, but I feel the same way because I know that there's people out there that look at videos, especially YouTube, just because it's so easily accessed that I I don't like to give the wrong impression. Like, I I we, we have to work for a lot of the birds that we find. I always try to err on the side of education as opposed to like uh bragging where like yeah. if if yeah. i shoot a lot of birds i'm going to explain what i did that i think helped get me to that point as opposed to saying like 
oh we're just out here killing it we just do we do this all the time it's like that's not the case there's you know maybe one in three hunts is worth me filming and that's what i end up editing and all that Um, right and there are times where i do put out the one to two bird days because people do relate to that and they they appreciate seeing it but i'm not putting out a 30 minute tv show where like that something yeah you know this is uh quick consumable content as opposed to like that being a very long form style of content and uh different production value of course and all that stuff and it's uh it it, 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 it's a it's a hard conversation to have and it's a hard thing to swallow saying like i know i'm also part of it but i've tried to err on the side of education and yeah hope that that helps with it. that's all you can do right yeah i mean we we try yeah. to leave um the b-roll stuff is important to us we try yeah. to leave the cameras on after the shot and we try to you know you have sean stall who's who, who who maybe maybe has killed more canada geese and this is probably not even a, a far-fetched statement <laughs> probably killed more canada geese than maybe anyone you know right now I mean, yeah. it's, that's really not that far fetched No, and you leave the camera on him after a really big go and he turned and, and he's 15 again. <laughs> it doesn't, he's, doesn't he, get old. Yeah. He's fist bumping. We're yeah. making jokes. We're doing this. We're doing that. That, that should show you that, you know, no matter what, and no matter wh- where we are, that at the end of the, this is still really, really enjoyable. We're not yeah. doing this to just, yeah. you know um you get away from that on on there are some you know there's some shows that are just you know they shut down it's like right man you know it's just old hat to some of these guys and i get yeah. it. it 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 is um you know guides are like that right? yeah you i go can understand and, that too yeah you know um and, and it's just gets old hat but that yeah. b-roll stuff i i like that stuff I think that's educational. I think kids need to see yeah. that kind of thing. And, um, but yeah, I'd like I to totally see, agree. like to see some kids out there to, you know, grind it and, and, you know, get to a point, have, have a goal, right. um, but have a reality goal. Right. Um, yeah. Where, where, and I was part of that. I, I mean, a lot of my goals and a lot of times were not realistic. I did not, you know, I thought you work for a call company, you work for a waterfowl company and you, you would travel all over the place. They would, you know, I mean, that's all you did kill for right. money. Right. I mean, everybody wants to be a professional hunt, you know? Yeah. So I would just tell people, you know, I mean, have, have goals, you know, don't dream small, dream big, but right. you know, get into all of the details and, and all of the information and, you know, have a, have a starting point and that type of thing. So yeah and educate yourself on you know bird identification the the rules and just you know making yourself uh you you know you there's a also an etiquette to it as well where you don't if you're hunting public you don't set up right on top of people and treat others how you would want to be treated inside you know the marsh and i think uh i think sometimes that gets lost on people and it's just a nice reminder yeah I would, I would say it, I would say it to content guys too. I mean, you have a, you, you have a responsibility to know, um, you know, what you're putting out there. I mean, if you put something out there that 
looks like a dog's going to get killed. Um, breaking dogs. Yeah. And you know exactly who I'm talking about. It's in my home state. (laughs) If you, if you put that stuff out there, um, and you have a hundred thousand followers, you know, that that's, um, you're not doing the sport and you're not doing yourself any, any, you know, any justice in that. Well, you're not doing your job. You know, that's your, your job is to educate. Your job is to entertain, but when you're talking about something like waterfall where, you know, there's lives at stake, there's firearms involved, like there's, it goes yeah. beyond just entertainment. Like at that yeah. point you're, you're influencing people and you need to take that uh, responsibility yeah. seriously. And it's, it's not live. I mean, we don't have, no. li- you know, we're, we're not, we don't have live waterfowl anymore. So you have the no. ability to come home and look at it. So right. when you come home and you look at it and you see something, because we all make mistakes. I mean, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. I've been in a blind with a lot of guys who have rung bells and did, you know, or, or whatever. But yeah, you're not going to see it on camera. I mean, because no. we're able to see it, you know, we're not going to post it. We're, we're you yeah. know, if we see something like that, um, we'll travel to a lot of places and a lot of people with their dogs, they, you know, they want to hunt with their dog with Sean's dog. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that'd be pretty cool I believe right? that, if you had a dog. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> what if that dog, you know, what if that dog doesn't, what if that dog breaks? What if that, you know, right. all of that's ruined footage. You of were course. never, we're not going to post that. We're yeah. never going to post guys, you know, shooting over a dog that's, that's running out and, and doing that kind of thing. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you sit back and you're like, this is kind of ruined footage. Like you, you, yeah. you, you know. You shift and you do something else or whatever, but I would tell people you you have a responsibility. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not live. You're able to go home and look at it. If you see a mistake, yeah. you know, and if you want to, if you see a mistake and you want to educate people on the mistake, that's one thing. But right, you know, but but don't post it to to post it. You well, know? don't brush it off like nothing bad happened. Yeah, you know, like that's that's the biggest thing is try if you try to normalize it then that's gonna that's just a big it does it does a lot of hurt to the sport that more yeah. than anything else yeah it does yeah well on that eric i appreciate yep. you coming on i appreciate your time is there anything that you want to plug before we get off here no no absolutely not i mean i i, I think I, I said where where we're kind of going and everything else and i just you know thanks for the platform i love talking to uh different people, different places and, and that type yeah. of thing. And so well, I appreciate I you it. coming on and telling us about the tangle free story and what's, what's coming down the pipeline. And more importantly, your story, hopefully people can, uh, can take that and learn a little bit from it. And hopefully they learn something from this podcast, if nothing else. That's right. Yeah. Thank you well, again. Thank, I appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. You bet. Oh,